And so friends, I'm excited this morning to uh, uh, kind of piggyback off of something that I announced last week, but next week at this same time, I am super excited to invite uh, our friend P.W. Gopal um, into a conversation. P.W. Gopal and I are going to have a conversation regarding race and the gospel. Um, race in, in, in our culture um, also, but what, what does that mean for the gospel and the kingdom of, of Jesus? This is going to be a really great conversation between the two of us. We've been connecting each week over the last couple of weeks on the phone trying to figure out how we kind of want this to go. And I think, I think it's going to be very uh, eye-opening uh, and, and important to hear um, his voice, his voice as what it's like for him as a person of color, a person with, uh, with, with darker skin, um, uh, from Sri Lanka, uh, what it's like to, to, to live in our communities and how that affects uh, us as people of, of the kingdom, people of, of the church. I think we've figured out a way where we can actually do this right here on Facebook Live, right? I think the exact same way Anna said she's going to help us do it. We're going we're, we're to zoom in both him and I together in a conversation. And so we're going to be able to kind of go through um, that what we'll do next week is we're not going to have music and liturgy and, and that kind of stuff. We're going to simply uh, engage in a short uh, 10 minute or so practice or meditation that allows our hearts um, to be open to the message that PW has for us. Then we're going to then we're, then we're going to take a, a while to dialogue PW and myself. And then we'll end as we normally do with uh, with a time of prayer and, uh, and 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 the celebration of the Eucharist. I'm super excited, especially as this lands on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's an ordained day in the church year uh, to celebrate the coming of the Spirit and to really dive into what the church can do on Pentecost Sunday. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a very um, beautiful time for us to spend together next on next Sunday. Um, but like I said earlier, before we jump the gun to Pentecost Sunday, uh, today is a Sunday in the liturgical calendar that invites us to remember Jesus' ascension. Um, even if you didn't hear me mention that in the beginning of the service, you probably got the gist of it from uh, the couple of hymns that we sang and, and, and our liturgy and our, and our, and our prayers. Um, we remember today Jesus' ascension. Uh, this is Christ filling the cosmos, Christ welcoming us to live into that same fullness, the fullness of Jesus' life and his teaching, the fullness of Jesus' suffering and death, of his resurrection and all that this brings, the fullness of a power that we're going to talk about that's fueled by humility and grace and forgiveness, paving the way for another dimension of Jesus' spirit. And this is what we're going to be discussing next week on Pentecost Sunday. The coming of the Holy Spirit as a helper, as an advocate for us on Pentecost Sunday, forming us to live in this fullness. This is where we're going. This is what we're going to look at today, rather. We're going to look at Jesus' ascension. We're going to bridge today with next week. And we're going to do this through the telling of Luke's writing in Acts chapter 1. If you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, we will be in uh, the beginning in the first verse of Acts chapter uh, one. But this is Luke's writing. If you don't, if it, just for a little context, Luke wrote the book, the Gospel of Luke. And so if you go to the very last chapter and the last couple of verses of Luke, you'll see that it overlaps into uh, this book of, of Acts that Luke wrote as well. 
And so Luke writes in the first book, he's referencing his gospel here. He says, in the first book, Theophilus. Theophilus was a guy who must have been funding this project for Luke to investigate what happened when Jesus was around and the things of the early church. He says, so in this first book, to the person who's uh, funding his investigation, I wrote all about what Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. We've been looking at a lot of those uh, we've been looking at a lot of those stories of Jesus, right? Appearing to the disciples in the upper room. We did that one week. We did uh, Jesus appearing to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, appearing to Mary outside of the tomb. Uh, in one of our Zoom Bible studies, we looked at the appearing of Jesus on the shore, eating breakfast with the disciples. This is what Luke's talking about. He presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during these 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This is what they're waiting in Jerusalem for, what we're going to celebrate next week. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptism of the Holy Spirit by fire, tongues of fire upon these, 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 these friends of Jesus. Again, probably in that upper room next week that we'll be talking about. And so when they had come together, I get this picture, they're on some sort of a hill. They're somewhere in, in, in the countryside. And they came together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power next Sunday. We're getting there, friends. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You know, see, we got a lot of this, uh, a lot of this story came out in, in our liturgy and in our singing this morning, if you noticed. Uh, some of those verses of that first hymn we sang with the angels standing there. Why do you stand looking up towards the heavens? This Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. For an often forgotten part of Jesus' ethos, of Jesus' being, you know, we, we, we talk a lot, I think, in church circles, obviously the incarnation at, you know, the Advent and the Christmas season. You know, a lot about his life and his teaching, Jesus, while he was here on this earth, right? His, his life, his teachings, his, his miracles, all that, all those kinds of things. We, we focus a lot on his death and his resurrection, especially Holy Week with Palm Sunday and Good Friday and, 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 and Easter. 
But in our modern church, we do sometimes kind of push this idea of his ascension Maybe a little bit, not that it's not important, but maybe a little further sometimes, I think, just kind of, it's kind of on the back burner, it seems. But even though we do that, there has been a lot of good theological and Christological dialogue over the years about this, you know, theology around Jesus' ascension and what that means for us and for his people who follow. I, I, I really like this take from Pastor Brian Zahn. Um, I'm going to read to you a really simple quote from Pastor Brian Zond. He actually tweeted this this past week on Ascension Thursday. And, 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 and I think he brings the magnitude of what we're exploring this morning into very simple to understand words. Uh, Pastor Brian writes, Christ ascended into the heavens that he might transcend the limits of space and time. And fill all things everywhere with himself. Did you catch that? I, I, I love the way that he, that, 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 that he brings the magnitude of what this day means for us into this very simple tweet. And, and someone who really loves uh, the idea of like alternate dimensions and, uh, and things that can transcend the limits of space and time and, and, and even movies and, and books and things like that. I, I love the way that he kind of puts this into that language. I'm, I'm gonna, if you didn't catch it, I'm going to read it again, and I will actually post this quote later on our social media accounts. I think it's fantastic. He says, Christ ascended into the heavens. This is what we're celebrating today. Christ ascending into the heavens that he might transcend, be above the limits of space and time so that he can fill all things everywhere with himself. Not that God wasn't already filling all things everywhere with himself, but now the incarnated 100% human, 100% God is now filling all things everywhere with himself. Last year, I believe we reflected more upon this idea of Christ transcending and filling. And, and in a different year, we'll probably come back to that again. But what I want to do this morning is spend a moment contemplating verse 8. If you've got a Bible in front of you, we're going to look at verse 8, where Jesus says here, right before he ascends, he goes, you will receive power. I want to talk a little bit about this power. He says, you will receive power. This power we're going to talk about next week, albeit in a different conversation about race and the gospel, but we're going to talk about this power that he says that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, come upon you as in tongues of fire that are here now to stay. And I want to talk about what it means for us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think it's safe to assume that our culture resonates with the idea of power, right? I think we do. I think many of us resonate with this idea of power, at least people who have this sense that of, 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 of um, you know, bravado in power can kind of, you know, grasp this. I mean, look at our favorite stories throughout history. Look at the different tales and the fables and the myths and the legends. Look at the books and look at our poetry. Look at theater from Shakespeare all the way up until today. Movies and even some of our binge-worthy Netflix shows. 
So many of these tales and fables, myths and legends, books and movies and shows and theater center around powerful people. Powerful people as in strong and heroic and, 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 and strength as in, like I said, that bravado type of, of strength. I, for me, when I, when I think of this kind of power dynamic in a lot of our myths is, is one of my favorite movies. It's, uh, it's a movie with Mel Gibson and, and he plays, uh, you know, a, 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 a patriot, uh, you know, a patriot in our country in the movie called The Patriot. And in one of these opening scenes, and he does it quite often throughout the movie, but this is the kind of bravado power that I think we're, we're used to, where he, you know, he's avenging the death of one of his sons. And so he comes upon this, you know, caravan of people and he just totally, you know, you know, brings carnage and, 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 and complete devastation upon the people who brought devastation upon him. And I think that's the kind of power that we often associate with when we think of things like power. I think the story of the ordinary little guy, uh, especially the ordinary little guy that seems to not amount to much in our eyes, quotation, not much. I guess unless this little guy overcomes something, we do like these stories too. Like uh, the little guy who overcomes something and then gains this type of strong heroic power. These stories of the ordinary and, and, and the little just don't seem to hold our attention. They just don't seem to sell in the same way that other power motifs do. I think it's because these power motifs do well with customers. You know, think Marvel Studios or, 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 or think Star Wars. These kind of stories um, do well with consumers because they fulfill this desire that we have in us for raw physical power and domination. The, the, the ability to accomplish something great no matter what kind of obstacle blocks our way. We, we love this kind of stuff. And it looks like this desire may be reflected even in the question that Jesus' disciples pose here in verse 6. So a couple verses before the one we're looking at. Where they ask him, they say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You know, Lord, will you at this time give us, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about leaving here, but will you give us the people of Israel now power to get rid of that oppression? You see, the kingdom that they were interested in or the, the, the kingdom that it seems like they may be interested in still kind of speaks to that power of military and political might. Not really one that they've been witnessing of their nonviolent suffering savior. Uh, just for a little added context, and we did talk about this quite a bit at length in our Kingdom Project series. So if you do want to go back on the podcast and listen to some of those Kingdom Project series to get a better uh, sense of kind of the power play dynamics that were politically there in Jesus' day. Um, but the Romans were dominating the Hebrew world for many decades up until this point that we're at. This is the current situation that Jesus lived in. Um, but this current situation that Jesus lived in and these disciples were speaking to wasn't the first time that Israel's been an oppressed people group. 
Even go back and think in the book of Exodus or even the previous time Israel had been occupied. So for the couple hundred years before this Roman uh, invasion, a group of Hebrew rebels had actually thrown out their invaders by force. And so sometimes I wonder if the disciples are wondering here if Jesus was planning something similar, something quite powerful and, and physically heroic, just as the old tales had told of. Something that could even perhaps top those and be told for ages to come. You know, the tale of how Jesus of Nazareth, I can almost picture this as like a, uh, you know, one of these medieval, you know, uh, you know, world conquest type of movies, but the, the tale of how Jesus, the battle of Blackwater, like how Jesus of Nazareth and his powerful army of disciples eliminated the bad guys and freed the good guys. I mean, I guess in a way it kind of is like this. I mean, I guess from a bird's eye point of view, you know, I do think Jesus' spirit is free in, freeing, and we see this all through scripture, even in the Old Testament. But fortunately for us, Jesus' idea of power was not of eliminating the bad guys to free the good guys but of a completely different sort. Because think about this. If his uh, means to justify the end was to eliminate all the bad guys in order for the good guys to come out on top, we'd all be eliminated. <laughs> I mean, that just kind of, you know, that, 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 that kind of defeats the purpose and we'd, we'd stand no chance. And so fortunately, Jesus' idea of power that he's saying we're going to receive is something altogether different. His disciples, including us, would receive a power, and this is what we'll talk about next week, but it wasn't going to be for political dominance or military conquest or fistfights. It wasn't going to be for eliminating the enemy so that way the good guy could come out on top, but rather it would be a power of a Holy Spirit fire kind. It would be God dwelling in them and transforming hearts. It would be God dwelling in us and transforming hearts. You see, Jesus, the one who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, he became one of us. That is a huge part of Ascension theology. I don't know if you caught that in our liturgy. But I read these words from Ephesians where, 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 where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, Almighty God, who's rich in mercy, out of great love with which he loved us, even when dead in Christmas, made us alive together with Christ. By Christ, we've been saved. But listen to what he says. He says, and he's raised us up with him and he seats us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying here that Jesus, 100% human, 100% God, is seated in the places of the heavenly realms in these other in this other time this other dimension that transcends time and space it's as if one of us a human being is now in the heavens with the father and so through the life of Jesus we see a god who rules all things by a humility that we can't even begin to grasp a humility that washed his friend's feet on the last day before he knew he was going to die. Jesus' power 
Jesus' Spirit's power is then shown in weakness and poverty, surrender, sacrificial love, peace, and trust. The one is who, that is to be our judge, our mediator, our high priest in the heavens. He rendered his judgment from the cross as his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As Jesus hung there on the cross, it is finished. My friends, it is finished. Salvation has been won through me and my blood. He says, my friends, you have been forgiven of all of your sin and your shame and your wrongdoing and everything that holds you back from you thinking you're my beloved child. You have been forgiven, Jesus says. But my friends, this forgiveness from the cross is only the tip of the gospel iceberg. It's just the beginning. It's just the tip of this gospel iceberg where, where then we go from the cross to, to Easter Sunday. We go from the cross to the resurrection and then now the ascension that we celebrate today because now that same Jesus Christ is forever at the side of the Father in the flesh for us and we are there. We are close to the heart of the Father and the Son through this Spirit who equips us now to be witnesses. Did you catch that in verse 8? Witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I believe those are the words that Aaron Vogan even painted. Yes, Acts 1-8 is what's on that beautiful painting that I cannot wait for you to see when we can finally gather together here that we get to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth witnesses and if you look at that painting right above it is a picture of our building our actual church building not that that church building itself is what will be a witness Though physical space and buildings can bring witness, why do you think buildings have been, like churches have been constructed with crosses on the top and, 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 and steeples and want to stand out? But that we are witnesses. Witnesses as in people who've seen something. We've seen something through our baptism, through our coming to faith through our reading of the scriptures, through our encounters with the living and resurrected and now ascended Jesus, we've seen something that changes and transforms our heart. And so now being witnesses is filling the earth with those things we've seen. Filling the earth with that same humble spirit of Jesus. I titled this reflection this morning, The Power from Above. Because although the heavenly realms where Jesus rules and reigns is not above somewhere up in the skies, but rather it's that kingdom 
coming from the heavenly realms down to earth. We use this imagery in our prayers and in our speaking. This power from above, the power of the ascended Jesus, the power of Jesus' spirit is now dwelling in and transforming us to live in and witness to his same divine sacrificial love. My friends, this is a holy, set-apart, sacred, and ordained Sunday for us to remember and to commemorate and to celebrate. And so I'd just like to invite you into this space this morning, this space where we can reflect upon this power that comes from somewhere above, somewhere that is outside of ourselves, but yet transforms our hearts to have that same sacred heart of Jesus Christ. And then I'd like to invite you to come back next week as we bridge this gap from Ascension to Pentecost. In a conversation, a real, real, a raw and honest dialogue with PW on race and how that affects us in the church and how that affects, like I said, not just the beginning part of the gospel, but the entire picture of the gospel. My friends, I'm excited about next week. Please join us. But for today, let's let's land here and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, fill us with the same humble spirit and power of Jesus Christ. Now that we know we have a helper, we know we have an advocate, we know we have a mediator and a high priest in the heavenly realms that transcend space, transcend time, we are able to be filled with and transformed by that same power. God, may we not waste that power on things that don't matter, but rather channel that power and that energy into divine sacrificial love like you've shown for us. We pray all these things in your most holy name, even as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in the heavens. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins so that way we can forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people this morning together in the spirit of Jesus' ascension say, Amen.